Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Wednesday, we'll be starting in a series in the book of the Bible. We'll be starting First and Second Peter. We're going to go through First and Second Peter on Wednesday nights uh, for a little while. I'm not going to tell you how long that's going to take because I don't know. But we're going to start that and next Wednesday. Be prepared for that. Don't forget here throughout this year to be the story. Just kind of reiterate that again, to be the story. I ask of you if you would pray that prayer in Matthew to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send labors into the harvest. Pray that prayer, if you will, with me this year. Amen. The Lord would, would send the laborers into the harvest. Psalms 34 in verse number 1, the Bible states these words. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth mouth our series on Sunday mornings this is the third in that has been the heart of worship series but tonight I want to talk to us about the time for worship the time for worship let's go to the Lord in prayer father I come to you this evening I'm thankful Lord once again Lord for being here I'm thankful Lord Jesus God for your people God whose health Lord is well enough God to be in the house of the Lord Pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today, God, that you have to minister, Lord, into every heart, into every soul. Help us, God, to be mindful, Lord, of your presence and of your spirit, God, that your purpose and your will, God, would be done in the next little while. God, we give our attention unto you. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. The time, the time for worship. Time, whenever you talk about time, time is perhaps one of the most, if not the most, valuable commodities or items that has been given to us. You always hear about people talking about they just didn't have enough time, just not enough time, or there's not enough, not enough hours in the day. A lot can be accomplished with time. The thing about time is this, and this goes perhaps without saying, but it's good to reacquaint ourselves every once in a while, and that is all of us have the same amount of time in each day. And I know that people may have items to do, but we all have the same amount of time in each day. As a matter of fact, in order to give time to one thing, it means that you must take time from something else must take time from something else. As a matter of fact, it's, I don't know if you want to call it a little pet peeve or something that, that's happened in, in, in my own personal life, and that is I, it almost irks me to hear somebody say they didn't have time to do something because in reality it's that it wasn't necessarily priority or important enough to them to take time from something and give time to something else. But does someone say that they didn't have time to do something when there are what we have time stillers in our life time stillers do you have any time stillers in your life 
Some of the things that may be classified as time stealers would be social media, television, magazines and books, even our own personal hobbies, extracurricular activities can all be time stealers, especially if they take priority over what would actually be classified as necessary in our life. They're time stealers. They say that the average sitcom is 22 minutes long after commercials are taken out. And so you can start adding up time, especially that they have it almost devised in such a way one just almost just plays right off another on some channels without any interruption. And so they have you snafu by the next storyline when the first one is just ended. And so time, 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 time is consistently being spent. It doesn't matter who you are. We are all, to a certain degree, victims of time. But we do have a choice how we spend our time. The issue, again, is not and never will be time. The issue is what we prioritize, what our desires are. Amen. And I know sometimes we get a lot of irons in the fire. The old saying is sometimes you have so many irons in the fire that none of them get hot. Uh, but uh, so we all have this element of time and we have the element of time stealers. The writer of Ecclesiastes, known as the preacher, he said in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse number 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. In other words, he was letting us know that there is a proper time for everything. If you were to continue to read chapter 3, it tell us about there's a time to be born and a time to die. Uh, a, a time to plant, a time to pluck up, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to build up, a time to break down, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. So we have seasons, there's seasons and there's times for every purpose that is under heaven. Uh, and through all of this, we got to understand that we decide what gets our time. We are in control of that. We're in control of what gets our time. And so David in Psalms 34, he then though paints with, with a brush of this type of magnitude and says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. David in reality is speaking about two aspects that we have been talking about on Sunday mornings over the past couple weeks and that is he's talking about both praise and worship in this one verse. He says, I will bless the word bless there means to bless or to kneel down or to bend the knees. There is that bowing down which we connect to and tie to worship. So he says, I will in essence worship the Lord at all times and his praise, there's the other aspect, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Note, for both of these respect, at all times and continually. That meaning something that... That, that does not cease or there's always a consciousness if you will of God concerning worship because we worship him for who he is there's always a consciousness of God and there's a consciousness of what God has done for us which is the praise aspect as well amen and so if we are ever waiting on the quote-unquote perfect time to worship or the perfect time to praise let me clear that up that time is now that time is now, that time is the next moment, and that time was the past moment because David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. When you look at Psalms 34, there's what's known, the writing before in our English Bibles, in verse number 1, there's a little superscript. Sometimes there's this writing before the chapter. And in my Bible, it reads like this, and 
and these superscriptions that are included here in our English Bibles, they say that they are also included in the Hebrew text, but in the Hebrew text they are denoted as verse number one. And that they are suggested that we should accept them as authoritative uh, portions of Scripture. And so the, the little superscript uh, of Psalms 34 reads like this, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. What this means, what this does for us, each psalm, many of these psalms were written in different settings, in different contexts. Certain things were going on at the time that David or other people, not just David wrote these, but uh, some other people has written some of these as well. But it, it tells us many times what was going on, or it may give instruction that that particular psalm was to be given to the chief musician of such and such, and this instrument is what it should be uh, written upon. But nevertheless, in this situation, it gives us the context of when David wrote this. And so David is talking about, it's speaking about whenever David changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Uh, what this means then, when we read verse number one, that David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. What this means for us is during the moment in time when David is being driven away by someone, David is saying, I am going to bless the Lord. I'm going to worship and praise the Lord even during this moment. And even during this time. And so what that brings to us then at all times for David didn't just mean good times. His at all times wasn't just defined as good times. When times were convenient, it was when times were bad. It's when there were times of adversity. When there were times of struggles, David said, I will bless, I will worship the Lord, and I will praise the Lord. Because the context of the scripture is this. The David that we know, the David that that had killed the, the giant Goliath, the David who, during this moment in his life, who was being a fugitive from Saul, the Saul that was trying to multiple times kill David, he has left the known areas of Israel to try to find safety. He's trying to protect his life in many regards. And he goes, he goes to the city of Gath. Now, the reason why this is bizarre is because Goliath was from Gath. Now, you'd think the last place you'd want to go is to the city where you had taken down their big bubba. But that is the city that David chose to go to. He went to Gath. And here Goliath had been from Gath. But he's, he's a fugitive for his life from Saul right now. And perhaps he's thinking, I don't have to worry about Saul or Israel or anybody else following me to Gath. Uh, they probably think this is just as crazy as anything, me going to the city of, of some warrior that I had destroyed and took under hand and took his head off. And so he goes into Gath, but the servants of Achish, that's what Samuel calls him, but Abimelech is what he's called here in the Psalms. Abimelech isn't necessarily always a name. Sometimes it is an office or a title as well. And so the servants of Abimelech or the servants of Achish then, then give a little insight to their king with David walking in. I mean, some of these servants were probably at the battle between David and Goliath. They know what he looks like. And so they kind of tip off, if you will. They tip off their king and let him know what's going on. We can read of it in 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel 21 and verse number 11, the Bible states these words. It says, and the servants of Achish said unto him, this is their king that they're speaking to, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him and dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his 
10,000. So again, they're kind of giving a little warming. This is David. This is the very one that had done all of that. David learning this, of course, he's a little uneasy. He's a little uneasy about them tipping him off. He knows that his survival instincts need to kick in gear. And so what does he start to do? He starts to act like an insane madman. The Bible describes it in verse number 13 of 1 Samuel 21. The Bible says, And he, David, changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. I mean, David is acting crazy. He's got drool hanging out, the, you know, his, his lip coming down into his beard. He's scratching, you know, on the gate. He's like, Ugh! because he doesn't want to be found out that this is the warrior David. His life might be in danger as a result of all this. In other words, his plan of going to Gath really didn't work out the way that he thought it was going to work out. Maybe I could go in there and find safety, but now he finds himself unsafe even in Gath. And so it's not turning out like he had planned. It's not unfolding the way that he imagined and the Bible says whenever Abimelech or Achish, according to which you want to go through the Psalms or, you know, the office or, or the man, nevertheless, when they saw how David was acting, whenever he took notice how David was acting, he was somewhat disgusted over how David was acting. He could not believe that this was the same man that they said has killed ten thousands. And the Bible says whenever he's seen him and that he was disgusted over this, that he basically just said, hey, I don't, want, I don't want this mad, insane man around here. Just Let's just leave him alone. I don't want anything to do with him. He's kind of, since Goliath's day, he's kind of, I don't know. <laughs> he's having hard times. He's dealing with some, I don't know, some stress maybe from all that. You know, he's, he's got problems going on. Let's not worry about it. And so the Bible says then that gave David the opportunity to go to the cave of Adullam, the Bible says. You'll see this in 1 Samuel 22 and verse number 2. And now there are all these people that are coming to him while he's in Adullam. There's people, the Bible says, you look at it, verse number 2, those that were distressed, those that were in debt, those that were discontented, those all came together themselves unto David. So he might not be in Gath anymore, but now he just has a bunch, and pardon me, uh, he just has a bunch of people with a lot of difficulties that's coming to him at this moment in time now that he's in Adullam, all right? He's not alone but he's got a bunch of people in debt and distress, discontented, that's come to him in Adullam. And yet, it's in all of this context and setting that I've just explained to you that David puts pen to page and says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. i got the king that's chasing my life. I went to a city I thought I was going to be safe in, but now they're looking at me as strange, and I had to be an idiot in order to get out of that. Now I find myself in a cave. I thought everything's going to be well. Now i got everybody that's in debt, discontented, and distressed, you know, coming to me, wanting me to be their leader. And he says, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. It's not the way that I planned. Things didn't unfold the way that I thought they ought to. But that doesn't change who God is. They're seeking for my life, but that doesn't change who God is. I had to feign myself a fool, but that doesn't change who God is. I'm in a cave by myself, and now I've got all these weirdos with me, if you will. But that doesn't change who God is. He still deserves worship. And that, again, goes back to the old thing we say over and over again. We worship God because of who He is, not because of what's going on around us. Not because you're having a high day or a low day or a lack day or a plenty day. You praise God for God. I will bless the Lord at all times, all times amen so that's what david is doing here 
in spite of everything not working as maybe perhaps he thought it was planned to work out, he's going to thank the Lord at all times. He's going to bless the Lord, worship the Lord at all times. He can praise the Lord in this respect for what God has done. He can be thankful that he escaped Gath without harm for number one. Amen. But here's the thing. What David is explaining to us or perhaps even exemplifying to us is this. Because God is always worthy of worship, we must worship him then at all times. Since he's always worthy of it, then there is not a time that he wouldn't be worthy of receiving worship from his creation. Whether good times, yes. Bad times, yes. Regardless of the circumstances, I know it can be more difficult in some times than others. Right? It can be hard to acknowledge God for who he is whenever things are not going right. Although it doesn't have anything to do with our circumstances. It's just hard to get our flesh to get over the fact it's not good with me, but it's still all well with God. Or if he has power to change this, why isn't he doing it? And I'm going to give him... Huh? So we must worship the Lord in the good times. Someone says, no problem. I got that one. But the fact of the matter is, folks, folks, I dare to say that probably even sometimes it rivals being able to worship the Lord during our bad times, worshiping him in our good times. Because what we do in good times, all times, I'm really doing this time thing, is we forget God in our good times. A lot of people don't remember God in their good times. No. They remember him when they need God. They don't remember God sometimes in, his, in their good times. And that's the reason why the Lord, even the Old Testament, he, he made it a, a, uh, a point of speaking to his people to tell them that whenever they got over into the land of promise, the land that flowed with milk and honey, and they were going to start to have some fruit come into their lives, you know, food and drink wasn't going to be as scarce and sparse as it was in their wilderness journey. That's the reason why whenever he told them whenever they got in that land, you know what his, his common theme was? Don't forget the Lord your God. Why? He said, because you're going to have a home to live in there, and you're going to, not going to be tent to tent to tent to tent. You're going, to, you're going to have food there, and you're not, you're not going to be saying we need manna or we need quail. You're going to have water there, but you're not, you're not going to be looking for it from a rock or, or from the next little river. And he says, if you don't watch yourself as a result of the good times, you'll forget. You'll forget your God. And so he didn't want them to forget him during their good times. Look what the Bible says, Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 7. I'll read a few verses of Scripture there. Deuteronomy 8 and verse number 7. The Bible states these words. I'll read down to 14. He says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive oil and honey. This is sounding good to them. This is not stuff that they just readily had in the wilderness. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Precious metals in this land. 
When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. He's telling them what to do. You're going to you bless him whenever you've taken all these things in. Beware, he says, that thou forget not the Lord thy God. And not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I commanded thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. Thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You forget God. Right? Hezekiah. Falls sick. What? He turns his face to the wall. He cries, asks the Lord to heal him. The prophet Isaiah comes back and says he's going to add 15 years to your life. But you know what happens in that 15 additional years of Hezekiah's life now that he's healed? He forgets God. He forgets God. Amen. And so we've got to be careful to remember God, to worship God, which is to remember God in the good times. Because sometimes people even might become proud. I know you say, no, no way, Brother McGee. Trust me. In the real world, even our world today, things can get so good in a person's life that they might think that they were the author of the goodness themselves. Rather than attribute any line of that to God. I've, I've scaled up. I've, I've really become this or these resources. Look what I've, because I'm intelligent and I've done. And all of a sudden people start to forget God. Ministries, ministries for that matter, have springboarded and just, just out of this world. And then they've thought that they have reached that place because it's been because of their talent or their skill or their ability or their ability to orate and move a crowd. Not remembering the Lord our God. See, David could have even thought getting out of Gath. If he didn't watch himself, he could have thought that he may have escaped by his own antics, you know, being an insane man, you know, with drool dribbling down his chin. You know, it's because it's just because of the way that I acted, I got away from Gath. Not to understand, yeah, that may have been part of it, but the only way that you really got out was because of the hand of the Lord. We draw a direct line sometimes. Well, that happened because I did this, and that's the reason why it happened. Did you ever think, you know, yeah, maybe that had some type of uh, impact, but it would have not had the impact that it did had it not been for the hand of the Lord. Don't, don't, don't attempt to be a, 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 a Solomon that finally comes and says, you know, he's going to try life under the sun without God build all of his gardens, do all of his great things, and then come to the end and say, you know what? It's vanity of vanity and vexation of spirit. And the last few verses of, a, of a Ecclesiastes then will pin out, you know, keeping the commandments of the Lord, this is what is right and what's proper in the sight of humanity. Why? He says, I'm going to try to live life with no, with no remembrance of God. <laughs> Without any worship or adoration to God. Did he accomplish some great things? Yeah, seemed to be great. But anything that is considered great in the world but does not have the God factor included, it, pair, it, 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 it pales in comparison what it could have been had God been a part of it. Amen. So we want to worship God in the good times, yes, but we also want to choose to worship the Lord in the bad times, right? Bad times are rough. Bad times are rough. We don't watch it. Bad times can cause us to be silent toward God. 
cause us to avoid the altar, avoid the prayer room, find excuses to miss church. Right? Sometimes a little difficult to worship and praise because of bad times. Job is probably a great, great, over-the-top example of someone that responded good during bad times. I don't have to go through the whole book of Job to begin to explain to you. As a matter of fact, you could take the first couple of chapters and start looking at the disaster that entered this man's life. The Bible says he was perfect and upright before the Lord. He was a man that was well off. We can look at everything that he possessed. But in one day, he was having bad report after bad report. I mean, one man is just finishing what happened to some of his stuff that while he is saying his last syllables, the next man is starting to say what also bad happened this day. The theft of his oxen, the slaying of his servants, the losing of his sheep, the dis- disappearance also of his camels, and then to add insult to injury, your sons and daughters that you have were all in one house. The east wind came and it fell upon them. They're all dead. The only thing you have now is your wife. And I'm not saying that despairingly. I'm just saying that that's all that's left. All that you have now is your life. And so, <laughs> you know, so I had car problems this week and I've been pulsating in my bottom jaw. Who cares? None of us want to be have to testify behind Job in heaven. <laughs> what do we got to say? All his happened in one day. And yet he staggers out from all of the learning of these horrific things that have taken place in one day. The Bible says he strips himself as sackcloth, puts dirt upon his head. He falls to the ground. He bows down. And the Bible says, and he worshiped. And all of this psalm of David comes back to to play. I will bless the Lord at all. And all means all. At all times. Because I know, and I'm just saying this, just because I know how things are before prison, on our way home the other day, whenever the car started acting up, I started laughing. I did. I started laughing. I looked at my wife and said, well, it's prison week. Amen. God is still so, so good. So we want to praise the Lord and worship the Lord in the bad times. Because here's the fact of the matter. Bad circumstances does not change the reality of a good God. Bad health doesn't change the reality of a good God. You know, bad, bad, whatever it may be, you can fill in the blank, doesn't change or alter the reality of a good God. And so Job, with this understanding, with this concept, perfect, upright before God, I mean, you know, by all, by all standards, you think, you know, he was doing okay with God. And he was, although all the other friends are trying to convince him there's some horrible sin in his life he needs to repent of and this wickedness has come upon you because evidently you've done something wicked. That's hogwash. Sometimes that does happen and other times it just happens because you're a good person. Sometimes it just happens because it's life. And I always try to steer this because people are all the time trying to figure out, why is this happening to me? What have I done wrong? Well, you need to ask yourself the question. It can be, what did you do wrong? Or maybe, what are you doing right? Or it could be, this is life. It don't have to just fit so perfectly in a certain one of those boxes. It may be any of them. It may be a combination of a few of them. Amen. 
<laughs> that God is still worthy of worship, whether it's good times again or bad times. When we're strong or when we are weak, we still we must bless the Lord at all times. And when we can't sense God, there's the thing. Sometimes we are in scenarios where we can't even sense the Lord. And I have a hard time, you know, worshiping the Lord for who he is when I can't even sense he's around right now. But he is around. Nonetheless, he is there. The Bible tells us in Genesis, a story that we have just touched on in the past few weeks on Sunday mornings. But the Bible tells us in Genesis, Genesis 22, of a story that gives some definition to worship, but I think is also applicable to the time of worship that we are speaking about tonight. Again, we know the setting and the scenario prior to Genesis 22 that God had promised and spoken to Abraham that he would make him a father of many nations. Abraham is a little questionable about the likelihood of all this, partly to the fact because he and his wife are already well up into years. They are past the age of childbearing, as it would seem. And so he's a little reluctant to accept the likelihood of this happening as a result of that. But nevertheless, this promise, though it may seem impossible, God did exactly what he said he would do. He gave a child to Abraham and to Sarah uh, by the name of Isaac. They no doubt proudly raised that son of promise, that son of covenant, Isaac, uh, to be a worshiper of the Lord and to follow the ways of God. Going to be a great nation come from these loins some way, somehow, until it seems like everything is on the verge of changing. We read in Genesis 22 and verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, speaking of Isaac, thine only son, just for emphasis sake, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. I don't, listen, I don't care who you are. A command like that's going to test any daddy. Going to test any daddy. Causing him to question everything, no doubt. Maybe even be paralyzed to a certain degree with fear. Because I'm hearing this from the voice of the Lord. Maybe even want to cause him to backpedal, if you will, on his commitment to God. And yet in all of this, what even a little harder to understand is that Abraham hears the voice of the Lord and he starts to follow through on what the voice of the Lord has just said. Now, here's some, he's saying, sacrifice your son. Now, in this day, child sacrifice wasn't uncommon. Uh, it happened. People gave their children unto their false deities and false gods. Uh, and that seemed to be pretty outrageous, but we never seen that with God, you know, requiring that. So Abraham could be, you know, in a, a mode that, you know, God's never required this of anybody. So this is a little, you know, out there. And yet, he's, he's going to follow through. The Bible says in verse number 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had towed him. And so, you know, we're, we're almost pinned down to our seats a little bit. God gave the command early the next morning. Abraham is following the command of the Lord. I was the dad. I might have gave it a week, you know, just to make sure. <laughs> but Abraham is up early the next day. 
ready to fulfill the command of the Lord. He, it doesn't seem like he's delaying. We don't have no conversation that he's necessarily speaking to God, questioning it. He is just simply obeying. It's like he has some type of unwavering faith that he is, he is uh, showcasing at this time. And again, although what's being asked of him isn't, isn't necessarily consistent with what God has had up to this moment in time, God has never asked of this of anyone. Huh. He's just dependent that God's going to keep his word, his promise, his covenant. There's going to be nations coming from me, but this is the only, the only way that it can happen through Isaac. We look at verse number 5. Then the Bible says, And Abraham said unto his men, some servants that were with him, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. And everybody say, Worship, worship, and come again unto you. Now, the sacrifice is going to take place on that mountain. That's already known. It's going to be sacrifice. It's going to be a burnt offering. And yet Abraham tells the servants, me and the boy are going up there. Abraham only knows at this point in time that the sacrifice is the boy. Isaac, he's oblivious to all of this at this point in time. But nevertheless, Abraham says, we're going up there and we're going to worship. Verse number 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac and his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. So here's, here's, you know, a father and a son. You've heard it from Brother Lane before. You've heard it from Brother Mason. Isaac is not a little boy wet behind the ears at this moment in time. Uh, Abraham's not carrying him. He is a man that is well into adulthood as he's going up this mount. And so they're going up. They're carrying the fire. They're carrying the wood. Curiosity, those getting the best of Isaac, dead. We're... You know, the fire, the wood, I know that means there's going to be a sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham, knowing what the Lord had told him, he delays the response for a little bit of a moment. Then he gives a good response, said, Son, the Lord himself will provide. The Lord himself will provide a sacrifice for us. And Abraham, how in the world can you say such a thing when you know the boy is the sacrifice? The Lord himself will provide a sacrifice for us. He didn't, have, he didn't have in the command a promise from God that God would interrupt the process. Right? No, this is just what you're supposed to do. But it would just be in a little while, there's going to be another facet of God revealed to Abraham. The Jehovah Jireh. The God who is the provider. He gets up there. There's no sacrifice. The wood goes down, the fire goes down, and he puts his son there upon the wood and upon the fire. It's a step of faith, but every stride is also filled with worship because everything that he is doing is an acknowledgement of the God who told him to do it. And so it's during this test and this trial that Abraham made that even the words of David come to us again, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth what are you saying abraham did not understand the ways or the means of god what god was even asking of him in this moment but he worshiped nonetheless oh can we worship the lord when we don't understand the lord can we worship the lord when we don't understand his ways or his means or he's asking us something that he's never asked of us before can we worship, acknowledge, bow down the Lord? They arrive. There's no sacrificial lamb. The altar's built together. 
Isaac, no doubt, things whirling around in his mind. He crawls up on there, and the knife is there in the air. Abraham's going to follow through. And the Bible says in verse 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Let me break it down like this. Abraham, I've seen that you worshiped me even when you didn't understand what I was asking of you. I've seen that you acknowledged me when you didn't even know how to connect all the dots with where you were and what was being done and going on and I was requiring in the moment. You, even in that moment, you still acknowledged me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually, continually fill my mouth. The Bible says in that moment, Abraham looks over and he sees a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. He puts that animal on the altar now in the fire. and There's a sacrifice unto the Lord. And the father and son that went up came down. But Abraham, before he ever left, he said, I'm worshiping. He's saying that knowing what's being asked. He's saying that in a difficult moment. He says, we're going yonder and we're going to worship. And I wish, I wish I could say I was successful every time I seen it coming down the pike and I said, I'm going to go worship. I've not always got it right. I've not always got it right. There's been times I've clammed up in my acknowledgement of God because I thought, God, I deserve better than what I'm being served right now. Have you ever withheld worship almost like leverage against God? God, I, I attend faithfully and I pay my tithe. And, you know, we start sometimes going through the laundry list. God, I do this and this and this for you. Like, you owe me at least this. And if you don't do this, then I'm holding the absence of my involvement. Okay, maybe it's just me. My name's Paul McGinn. I withheld worship at times in my life because I felt embittered about what was going on. He's a never-changing God. So my question to you tonight, are times good? Your response, our response, should be worship. Are times bad? Our response should be worship. Are you experiencing a trial or a testing, suffering right now? Our response should be worship. Because he's always worthy of worship. Because he never changes. He's always good. He's always righteous. He's always faithful. Whether it appears or seems to be that way for our certain circumstances right now, he is. And for a never-changing God, there should be a certain element of a never-changing worship because our worship is tied to God. So I will bless the Lord. Worship at all times. His praise shall continually... If I can just look at the praise part just real quick before I come to a close tonight. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise the Lord continually. Well, there are some seasons in my life I can cast my eyes over my shoulder and say, God hadn't done anything for me. Right? 
I was thinking about this today as I was reconsidering all of this today. God hasn't done anything for me today, let's say. We must realize that God's inaction at times is actually him doing something for us. His mercy, which in many respects is God not doing something, not bringing down the gauntlet and the hammer when it should have been brought down, God not doing something, his inaction many times is him doing something for us. The hammer should have failed for X, Y, or Z, whatever it may be, but he sustained that from happening. God didn't do anything for me. I should have got that job. You not getting that job could have been the eye of God seeing through that job, something that was going to happen with your spiritual life, your marriage, whatever it may be. And so his inaction really was an action in your life. (laughs) There's certain things that we want or our plans are such and such, and they don't work out like that. And we could say, well, God didn't do. You know, who, who will ever know? Why the Spirit told Paul he could not go to Bithynia or the other place whenever he was going to go. God knows, but I believe in those moments that God's inaction, as it would seem in Paul's life, was action for him. And though we may never know it on this side of glory, Paul included, there's just some things that's just God's business. And we know that he loves us and he has our best interests in mind. We got to just suffice to say, trust him. Worship him and praise him in spite of it all. There is a time of worship. That time is always. If you'll stand with me tonight, Brother Mason will come Sunday morning. He can come right now if he likes. Brother Mason will come Sunday morning. He'll finish that up and talk to you about the direction of worship. The direction of worship. Amen. Again, pledge cards in the foyer. Um, We are still going to try to get some type of volunteer survey to you for the volunteer of the month. Uh, Items that's going to be starting next February. I might need to talk to you, Brother Alex Mason, before you leave tonight. Uh, Try to get some survey stuff out there so we can glean information. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.